Welcome to another episode of Infinity X, where we give a stage and microphone to human excellence in the pursuit of never-ending opportunities and merging ecosystems with world-renowned entrepreneurs and influencers. Now, here's your host, David Harder. From the production studios of Epic Productions here in Red Bank, New Jersey, we are Infinity X, giving a stage and microphone to human excellence in the never-ending pursuit of creating infinite sales opportunities by merging ecosystems and having conversations like the one and only Travis Chappelle. What's up? Is it Chappelle or Chapel? Chapel, like a, like a wedding chapel. Got you, brother. Uh, pray to the gods here. What's up, Travis? How are you this evening? Hey, I'm doing pretty well, man. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for jumping on to the Infinity X stage this evening. We are Infinity X, folks. Stage and microphone to human excellence. Replay will be available on weareinfinityx.com. We are Infinity X, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all of those typical outlets. And we are talking to a podcaster, folks. We are talking to the one and only Travis Chapel. Uh, um, top 200 podcaster across the, across the globe, uh, host of, uh, build your network also Travis, which I, I'm looking forward to digging uh, deeper into 45,000 plus, uh, uh, followers on Instagram, various social media verticals. Travis, it's a pleasure to have you on here this evening. Thank you very much for joining. Yes, sir. Happy to be here, man. Looking forward to spend some time with everybody this evening. Absolutely, brother. Happy tra uh, Trajectory Tuesday. And uh, uh, Travis, this is a platform where um, entrepreneurs and business owners and individuals have the opportunity to hear it from the best, right? And we founded Infinity X based upon the principle of creating infinite sales opportunities by merging ecosystems and by giving people access to human excellence and to intellectual property. And I always, uh, I always love to hear uh, the story of human excellence. I like to hear where you came from. I like to hear what it was that um, drove you to where you are right now and where you're going in the world. So where did it all start for you? Yeah, man. Little, uh, little town, not really well known in LA County, Southern California called Lancaster. <clears throat> um, grew up kind of in a religious bubble, I, I would say. Uh, graduated kindergarten from the same campus I graduated college from, which was also where I went to church. So pretty much seven days a week from the time that I was five until the time that I was 21, I was on that campus, you know, except for maybe summer vacations and, you know, different things like that. Um, so grew, grew up, that, that's when I, when I say like, it was a bubble, like, that's what I mean. It was very much like, you know, my youth pastors were my teachers and my friends were my teammates and schoolmates. Like it was all intertwined and all the same. And, uh, <clears throat> so when I was coming out of college, um, you know, they push you in that world to just go directly into ministry. So I went to a ministerial college, which was on again, the same campus. I graduated with a double major in Bible and church ministries. And uh, like right before I graduated, realized that I didn't want to be in ministry. So uh, I was like literally about to walk and grab my diploma. I finished in December, but I walked in May. I finished in three and a half years. Um, so I finished school in December of like 2013. 2014, January, got married to my high school sweetheart um, at age 21. And then May 2014, graduate, walk across the stage, grab my diploma, and then uh, September of 2014, moved away from the, the town and the, and the church that I grew up in, which was the first time I'd ever been away from it. So a ton of life changes happened within a span of about seven months. And I quickly realized that like, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. It's not this thing that I have my degree in. Um, I don't even know who I am really, because I've just been a reflection of what everybody wanted me to be for the last 20 years. 
Um, so I guess I better start figuring some of this stuff out. And, uh, but I, you know, I, when I moved, I bought my first house at, at 21. And so I had a mortgage to pay and I had a wife and like, I couldn't just sleep on my mom's couch until I figured out what I was going to do. So I did the only thing I knew how to do at the time, which was door-to-door sales. Cause that's what I did in college to make extra money. So hundred percent commission door-to-door sales for the next few years, which eventually like got old and I wanted to start making money online somehow. Didn't know how that was going to work. Uh, so I started a podcast figuring like, Hey, this will help me kind of figure out how to make money online. Plus if I can monetize the podcast, that'd be cool. And then worst case scenario, I walk away having had conversations with a lot of my business heroes and I learn a lot from them and it might help me discover what is next for me. And really eventually that's what happened is, um, through the podcast started basically doing podcast consulting and coaching for entrepreneurs who needed a content strategy. Uh, we built out a course, we built some sales funnels, started getting the online marketing and that all eventually led into what we do now, which is uh, guestio, the and my software company Guestio, which is kind of like a cameo, but for booking podcast guests and for booking yourself onto podcasts. Um, and then we have a, an agency on the back end uh, where we where we run through our kind of high ticket clients on that. So I know that was a ton and thirty thousand kind of foot view there, but that's in a nutshell what what's what the story is. Incredible. There's so much to unpack there. Um, I can really really identify with your story too. I was the son of a dean of a college, and so okay. From a- yeah, so I went to preschool on the campus of where I went to college, literally. Um, and so I can I can completely identify with that. I can also completely identify with um, <clears throat> you know graduating and you know and and but also the recognition that you essentially didn't know what you wanted to do with your life, right? I you know when I graduated in 1999, um, you know it was the height of the dot com era, right? So what did I just you know at, I had no clue. I had a communications degree, I had no clue what I wanted to do, and somebody told me to go get a job on Wall Street, so that's what I did, and here I am, right? But um, you know when when you um, when when you graduated, right, and when you came to the recognition that um you know that that the 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 career in ministry was not necessarily the direction that you wanted to go and then you started to think about podcasting what was some of the strategy right because i i think i think you know podcasting has obviously become incredibly you know incredibly popular i don't want to call it saturated because i don't think it is but i definitely think it's become much more popular and is a way to get an incredible message out and get exposure to various ecosystems but what was your what was your strategy when you were going to build it out, and how did you land on that specifically? Did somebody turn you on to it, or what type of research did you do? Yeah, it was basically I was I was I became an avid consumer of podcasts. So during that kind of like almost almost like a quarter life crisis type of a thing where I was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. And I know that it's not going to be with the degree that I have, even though it was an unaccredited degree. So it was really not even a degree. (laughs) Um, So it was not going to be in the degree that I have. And it's not going to be the thing that I'm good at, which is door to door, just because like I've done it now. I've made six figures like as as a 22 year old kid knocking doors, hundred percent commission. But I like, it didn't make me want to do it more. It made me go like, "Ah, I don't know if I want to do this forever. And so, uh, like I dove into personal development for the first time, which is how I discovered podcasting. And, uh, I I was never much of a reader. Um, so I, I read a few books at the beginning and then started listening to audiobooks and was like, I like this audio thing better. And then kind of stumbled upon podcasts and got turned on to a show called entrepreneur on fire with John Lee Dumas and John, uh, and John had a free podcasting course. So I ended up going through that podcasting course, uh, in 2016. And I was like, uh, I think this would be pretty cool. Like, I think, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea. Like to answer your question about the strategy piece, like frankly, no idea, like how this is going to turn into revenue. I, I looked at John's income reports and I figured like, oh yeah, I'll get, I'll get downloads. And then I go get sponsors. Like 
how easy, how difficult can that be? You know, it turns out really difficult. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and so like for me, the direction of the podcast in terms of like the topic that I was talking about, it was like, the only thing I knew how to do at the time was sales, but I was trying to get out of sales and I knew that I had to niche down. So I like, I was like, if I do sales from a broad perspective, that's not niche enough. There's way too many sales podcasts out there. So I could do door-to-door sales because there's no, there, at the time there were no door-to-door podcasts out there. And I was like, but that's what I'm trying to get out of. You know, like I'm trying to not be in door-to-door sales anymore. I'm trying to like do something different. So I probably shouldn't make a show that pigeonholes me into the thing that I'm trying to get out of. Um, and so at the time I was like, I have no idea what to talk about. But then I asked myself, why am I good at, why am I pretty good at this sales thing? Like, why was I able to succeed in an environment where most people quit within 30 days? Um, and the answer always came back to, I got around really great mentors who were much better at it than I was. And I learned it directly from them as often as I could. And so I was like, oh, that's kind of networking. It seems like networking is a good idea. I don't know anybody in my circles that makes the kind of money that I want to make. And so if I want to learn about networking, I should go interview those people, ask them how to network, and then in turn, get to network with them. And, uh, so that was frankly, the entire strategy for my show, build your network was just like, I want to learn how to network better because I know a total of zero millionaires and I should probably get to know some if I have any intention of becoming one myself. Um, and so started the show, build your network and found that kind of blue ocean. Cause there was not really any shows that were talking about that at the time. When you were, um, built when you were building out, um, even prior to building out the podcast, um, I love what you mentioned about, um, self-mastery, right. And about self-development, who are some people that you modeled after? Um, at the beginning, I really started following, um, uh, bigger pockets, the podcast, um, read a really great book called secrets of the millionaire mind by T Harvecker. Um, I was listening to a lot of Jim Rohn audio, um, at the time, Zig Ziglar sales trainings. Um, and then into the podcasting world, started listening to bigger pockets, um, John Lee Dumas, Jordan Harbinger, uh, Lewis Howes, Grant Cardone, Gary Vaynerchuk, like kind of all like the big people, you know, that were all that have been doing it for, for that long. Um, those were, those were a few of the people that I've initially started, you know, consuming and coming in contact with and trying to implement and, and emulate a little bit. Incredible. Um, and folks, we're on Infinity X stage and microphone with Travis Chapel. If you have a question for Travis, by all means, you're welcome to put it into the chat as we are live. And I will absolutely get to that question uh, during the during the course of the conversation. So Travis, a little bit, a little background about us. Um, so when we launched Infinity X, the thought process was, okay, let's let's talk about a little bit like, um, like to a degree like Grant Cardone 10x, you know, um, how can you how can you elevate your sales meetings? And it was specifically kind of targeted at sales uh, professionals, particularly in the financial services industry, because uh, during <clears throat> during the last four years, We've developed relationships um, with with uh, different. I'm going to call them influencers, but business models, right? And business, uh, you know, uh, bus- people in in business that um, were able to create conversations for us that were very, very conditioned. And as a result, we went from eight to twenty-five. To this coming month, we're going to have over two thousand requests for conversation, and that is happening on a reoccurring basis. And d- as we were seeing that trajectory elevating. Um, we, um, you know, we, we wanted to introduce it out and, um, just from a, a conceptual standpoint to the, to the general population and that, and that kind of, you know, spurred 
um, the thought process of, well, why would we put, we originally were calling it 19 extra sales, right? But how, how, why would we put a cap on that? Because when you have a larger stage and a larger microphone, you have infinite opportunity. It never, ever stops accumulating. And one of the, uh, one of the folks that we modeled after and we continue to model after is one of, our, uh, one of our business partners, Chris Crone. And Chris has done an incredible job and continues to do an incredible job at really leveraging his influence. Mm-hmm. And he's created a much larger stage, a much larger microphone, a much larger platform for himself consistently year in and year out. My question for you is, what was, if you could date back to when you were really just starting to level up the podcast, what was, what were some of the conversations that really elevated your base camp, your stage, your microphone and got, and got your notoriety and your message out there? Yeah. For me, it always came back to the shows I was able to get booked on as a guest. Um, got it. At first it was all about like, how can I level up the people that I'm bringing on my show? Uh, frankly, just because for, I mean, first of all, I felt like I had a show about networking and connecting with people that are untouchable. So I felt like I kind of had to be my own best case study to that. Um, but then after I started getting a, a bunch of great guests, that's when people really started wanting me to come on their show and explain to them and their audience, how I was able to open doors with people that most people can't open doors with. And so, uh, that's really when, that's really when it started to take off a, a lot, a lot faster was when, people started valuing my content enough to start sharing it on their platform. So like when I went out and interviewed Grant Cardone, it was in his studio in Florida and my team cut up content and he posted it on his Instagram. Like to this day, if you search Travis Chapel, Grant Cardone, the YouTube video of our interview is on Grant's YouTube channel, not my YouTube channel. Um, and so like creating out, putting out content that that people actually care about and are willing to share on their own uh, was really, was really significant for me. So like getting booked on, on entrepreneurs on fire, getting booked on um, bigger pockets podcast, getting booked on born to impact with Joel Marion or dropping bombs with Bradley. Like anytime I got booked on some of these, on some of these, you know, stages, quote unquote, um, uh, you know, I, I started noticing more kind of a windfall of traffic coming in because what, what happens is unique is, is like when people start following you at the very beginning, they, they have this like, yeah, we want you to succeed. But if you don't, they also aren't like super upset about it because if someone follows you from the beginning, they tend to almost, I want to be careful about how broad I get here. Cause I know that a lot of people don't have these types of intentions, but some people do which is they almost, they almost want to kind of pull you down so that you don't completely outgrow where they are currently, because it's a direct reflection of where they could have gone had they been putting in the same amount of work that you've been putting in, if that makes sense. And so what happens is when you go get people that are not in your audience and haven't seen the come up happen from like origin to the point where you are, then they have immediate respect for you. There's no, there's not this, like this air of like, yeah, but I remember when you were doing this, like, you know, kind of like, I remember when you were in diapers type of a thing, but diapers, you know, in, in a, uh, um, uh, metaphor for, yeah, right, right. For how young your business is. But like when people come in from a totally different audience, all they know is the host that they know, like, and trust has brought you on their show because they respect and value your opinion. And so when those people start getting mixed into your community of these other people, 
um, then that's when you really start seeing a lot of your content start to take off and become more valuable for, for folks because, because your, your community started to be filled with people who like really like what you're all about and trust you wholeheartedly to take them in the direction that they believe you're going to take them in. Incredible, incredible. All you entrepreneurs out there, listen, you know, Travis invested back into his podcast, invested back into his brand by getting himself booked. And by the way, Travis, what I, I loved what you just shared about how you can open doors with people that typically people don't see how to open those. How do you open those doors? Oh, that's a loaded question. Uh, 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 for the very first thing is really trying to understand how to add value to people. And I know that's such a kind of a played out narrative. Everybody talks about value, 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 but it's just the truth. Like uh, what, I, what I tell people all the time is your network will increase in direct proportion to the amount of value that you can add to other people. Yep. So yeah, yeah. So if you, if you aren't doing your best at trying to master adding value to people, then you're going to find it to be more difficult to continue to connect and level up the people that you hang out with. Um, the, 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 the difficult part is finding out how to add the value, right? Like you might believe that you have value in a certain area, but sometimes it's difficult to relay that to the person or get to know them well enough for them to even trust that you have the value or whatever it is. And so like at first I strongly believe in like your, if your ability to cut the line is based in value, then you have to speak a universal language of value, and so for a lot of people, that's going to be time or it's going to be money. And so if you can help people save time by doing something for them without them, without asking, um, uh, without them having to outline it for you or anything like that, then that's a way to add value to them. Or if you pay them money, that's a way to add value to them. You know, uh, especially in this world, so many people have things that they're promoting. They got a book coming out. They got you know, a program that they're putting out, they got a mastermind that they just launched, like there's something that you can purchase from them. And uh, if you're going to take that approach, I always recommend that it be somebody that's in a field that you want to be well-known or recognized in. And it's somebody that's well-connected in that field. Um, Absolutely. Because you can just go through, waste a ton of money with a bunch of different people if they have no value to add to you, or uh, if, the, if there's no really like strategic plan for you to be able to capitalize on that. Um, anytime I've like invested heavily with people, it's usually people that are pretty well connected um, because they kind of act as like a, a node in your network. You know, like if you think about it from like a computer networking perspective, like, you know, they're, they're like a super node, like they have so many connections that branch off of them. So if you really focus in on building good relationships, adding value to people like that, um, uh, then it usually ends up coming back to you in the form of, you know, more relationship capital with more people. If you're somebody that continues to add value over time and isn't looking for the transactional piece of value that you can gain from that person. So that's kind of the caveat that a lot of people have a difficult time with is like, you have to add value and you have to do it without the expectation of receiving anything in return. And, and sometimes that's difficult for people to wrap their mind around. I love that. You know, that, that, that was incredible. There's so much I could play with in that space, Travis, you know? So I look at our business partnerships, right? And this little lemonade stand of Epic Financial Strategies, right? We're a one-stop shop financial wellness center, but who the heck had ever heard of Epic Financial Strategies? But <clears throat> through, it, through, through proximity, we were able to create conversation through a third, a, a third business partner to Chris Crone. Right. And, mm -hmm. and as a result of that, um, Chris saw that we could add value to him personally. And then from that point, 
identified that we could add value to his community. And because our business verticals relatively closely aligned with one another, it was a natural synergy, but we have continued to look to add value without expectation of it in return to Chris and to Chris's community and to some of the other ecosystem partners that we, that we maintain. Yeah. Um, as that has transpired, the Dolph DeRusses of the world and the Pam Bartys of the world and the Rock Thomases of the world and all these other folks that have influence over their communities have, you know, have become what I would call colleagues, you know, and, and, and to that point, we, it, we are now a, an organization, in my opinion, anyway, that is completely disrupting the financial services industry because nobody is doing what we're doing. Nobody. Right. And and that continues to elevate and continues to grow. And so let's talk a little bit about innovation for a moment, because I just I'm so in I'm, I'm so intrigued by your story. Um, you're a young guy for all the the unbelievable success that you're um, that you're experiencing. But how did you how did you innovate and continue to innovate from podcasting to owning your own uh, owning your own company and essentially building? A, um, if you could just speak to what your company does a little bit, I'm really interested to learn more. Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, the company that I own is Guestio. Uh, I got the idea because uh, so many of our clients were asking me, hey, how did you interview this person? How did you interview that person? How did you interview this person? And the real answer is, oh yeah, it took me months of hard work and being persistent and finding backdoor entrances into their network and getting to know this person who knew that, who knew that person, who knew that person, who knew that person, who made an intro for me. Like that, The real answer is it's a long, drawn out, difficult process. And so the, uh, the fast way to do it is just pay for their time, like a speaking fee, but for someone to be on your podcast. And so we initially built up the platform to be kind of like that. It's like, oh, you pay somebody direct, you go to a marketplace, you see a bunch of listings and you pay that person, they'll come on your show. And then through about a year of testing that, we realized that there was actually more demand for the opposite side of the marketplace, which was guests that were trying to get booked on shows for the purpose of promoting something that they were working on. Um, and so now that's kind of like more what Guestio's purpose or mission is. Uh, the difference is we pride ourselves on paying the hosts that we work with. And so me being a podcaster, I know how difficult it is to have the conversation because there's dozens, and I'm sure you guys get hit up all the time. There's dozens of these booking agencies out there, probably hundreds at this point. Yep, yep. Um, and so <clears throat> what I noticed is we would be getting like 30, 40, 50 pitches a month for our like eight spots that we had available. And so anytime we would turn people down, which was all the time, I would start responding and being like, hey, if your client wants to pay a, we call it a skip the line fee, where you don't have to wait four and a half months for our next availability, yeah, we'll, yeah, get yeah. You, we'll get you on next week for 500 bucks. We'll get you on next week for a thousand bucks or whatever. And uh, what I noticed was, bro, these booking agencies would like, would, would answer me and be almost like upset that I even suggested that, that they should pay for it. And they would, they would hit me with this line that really started getting under my skin after a while. And they would say like, well, we only do earned media, quote unquote, earned media. And I was like, that's such an interesting choice of words coming from a booking agency because your entire job is paid media. <laughs> right? Yeah, like so your client is paying you like, to go earn them media. That's still paid media. It's just that you're making the money instead of me. This doesn't make any sense. Like I'm the one that built the audience. I'm the one that took literal like months and months and months of time to put out three interviews a week, interviewing the best people in the world and cultivating an audience and community of people who actually care to hear from me. And then you come in, you sell my audience to your client. Your client makes money because they sell an offer to my audience. 
You make money because the client pays you to put them in touch with me. And I, the person with the audience, I get a goose egg. Yeah. Right? Like that doesn't make any sense. So so what we did is like we stepped into the gap. And so now what Guestio really focuses on is putting money back in the pockets of content creators for the purpose of these guesting opportunities. And so we have a bunch of shows that we work with. We have a bunch of people that pay us on the back end in the concierge style. Then we have our software as well. So our software is 97 bucks a month. As a paying software subscriber, you can get in and you can pitch yourself onto the platforms that we have in our marketplace. If they accept it for free, then you get, you get booked you know, for free. But also some of them might respond to your pitch and be like, yeah, it's 200 bucks to come on our show. And then you can decide if you want to pay the money to go on the show. But at least at this point, you know, I I actually paid a graduate level uh, research team, almost $4,000 to put together a report on the top 25 different podcast agencies that are out there. Mm -hmm. And they found that the average booking per, the average rate per booking was about four to $500 per podcast appearance that they were being booked on. And so when I looked at the shows that people were being booked on, I was like, well, no offense to this host. This is like, they're a great person. This is a cool show, but it's not worth 500 bucks. Like this show might be worth 50 bucks. This show might be worth 175 bucks. This show might be worth 1500 bucks or 2000, but not all of them are worth 500. And then, so what happens is you get you when, when there's a saturation of these booking agencies, now there's a hundred plus booking agencies. They all have the same MO, which is let's make the biggest margin possible. So all we're going to do is we're going to scrape a list of all the available shows in iTunes. I'm going to hire four VAs from the Philippines to send cold uh, reach outs to all of these podcasters. And we do, they do the spray and pray model where right. they just like send mass pitches to the, to, you know, thousands of podcasters and hope they get a few in return. The problem okay. with that strategy is the only people that are going to return that email are the people who are desperate for guest bookings, which are not the shows that the guest actually wants to get booked on. So now the guest is paying 500 bucks to get booked on a show that has three episodes out and gets 12 downloads on each of them. Um, and they're still paying 500 bucks for that. And I was just like, this doesn't make any sense. Like the booking agency is the only person that's making any real money here. The client's not getting a great service. The podcaster is getting paid $0 and they're not even getting them booked on the podcast that actually have audiences you want to get booked in front of. And so we really stepped into that gap. And now Guestio is kind of the place where you can come and you can pitch the shows themselves. Or if you want to save time and, and, and stuff like that, then you engage my concierge team uh, to basically come in and do all of the bookings for you and manage the budget for you. And then we pay people on the back end. So we've had show hosts, man, we, we signed up a show last week and uh, they've already made $12,000 in a single week just by bringing on some of our guests. Wow. We got a question that came in from Parker Russo. And by the way, somebody put into the chat guest, is it guestio.com? What's the, uh, what's the yeah. website on that? Yeah. Guestio.com. 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 This is, this is crazy. And I, I want to peel the onion on this quite a bit. Parker came in and said, so Guestio is like cameo in a sense, based off, 100%. The, based off the influence. Let me ask you a question. How does one calculate the intrinsic value of a podcast? Yeah, that's a, it's a difficult question to answer, but essentially what we do is um, we, we use it. We, we use terms that podcasters understand, which is like advertisers and sponsors are going to pay you on a CPM model a lot of the time, um, which is cost per thousand downloads, cost per thousand impressions. Yep. And so this is why most podcasters struggle because the average podcast will never get more than 100 downloads per episode. And so if you have 
a thousand, if you release 10 episodes in a month, you have a thousand downloads for the month, you'll get paid 20 bucks for your thousand downloads. So it's like, it is not worth it for me to do an ad read for ZipRecruiter when they're going to pay me $20 a month to do it. Right. And so they kind of get stuck in this like podcast purgatory where they don't have enough money to reinvest into the growth of the show. And so uh, the growth of the show is stagnant. They never get more than 30 downloads an episode. And so four months later, they quit. And this is the cycle. It happens all the time. And so what we do is we recommend people charge 100 to $150 CPM, sometimes $200 CPM, depending on the person themselves. Um, and we recommend that they charge based on not just podcast uh, um, downloads, but overall reach, overall effectiveness of your brand? Do you have an email list? Are you on other social channels? Are you posting across other like parts of the web? How are we getting increased you know, impression count for this individual? Does your website rank really well? Is this going to be a good backlink for their SEO strategy? Like We ask a lot of these types of questions when we're kind of aggregating data on the back end, um, which really help us to inform our this particular show how much they should be charging for an interview. But typically, cut it in the middle, say $150 CPM. Um, the more downloads, the lower the CPM we recommend charging. The So if you're at 500 downloads an episode, you know, charge $150 CPM, you know, that's 75 bucks uh, for an interview. Uh, if you're at 50,000 downloads an episode, you charge hundred bucks CPM, you're at 5,000 bucks for an interview um, for 50,000 downloads on an episode. So um, that's that's right around the pricing that we kind of recommend people people stick with. We are Infinity X with a stage and microphone with a master here. This is Travis Chapel. Replay will be on weareinfinityx.com and we are Infinity X YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. And, um, you know, it, folks, if, if you're not running, I'm not talking about walking. If you're not running to Guestio right now, you're out of your mind. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, right now I'm sitting here, Tra I mean, Travis, and we run a very, very, very successful financial planning company. Right. And, you know, we, uh, you know, again, we have the unbelievable privilege of of having in, in folks that are conditioned to want to have a conversation with us about things like life insurance. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, uh, that doesn't happen in the industry. But I'm sitting here as you're as you're talking. I'm like, man, how do I calculate the intrinsic value of Infinity X? Right. You know, like, where am I? You know, where is my focal point? You're you're a dynamic cat, brother. I can't, I'm looking Thank forward you, to getting, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to getting to know you more and peeling the onion on that front. And uh, yeah, you guys could definitely make money, man. Like, I mean, yeah. I know, I know you make money, like way more money than we, than you can make on a podcast. But like what I always tell people is like, look, I just had this conversation with another guy recently. He runs an eight-figure business on the back end of his podcast. His podcast gets like 1,500 downloads an episode, which is better than you know 80% of other shows, but it's not a massive show. And I was like, hey, we could probably pay you like 150 to 250 bucks for an interview on your show. Um, but the intrinsic value for you just comes in like, now you, now you can make enough money on the show where you can just dump 100% of the money you make in Guestio back into growing the audience of the show. Absolutely. And it just kind of like starts growing itself for you instead of you having to like take dollars and cents from your business that's profitable and dump it into content without really knowing how it's going to affect your downloads. Just take all the money you make with us, throw it directly back into increasing your like download subscriber count, view count on YouTube, subscriber count on your email list, like grow your audience with the money you make from us. And then in six months, you can charge more for an interview. And then in a year, you can charge more for an interview and you can dump all that back into growth of the show, you know? What are you finding out there? I mean, so let's let's fast forward to today, right? We're 
we're at a crazy time. You know, Will Smith is smacking Chris Rock and, it's, you know, we have everything going on overseas and we have more inflation than we know what to do with. And I'm not even going to go down the political road because that's an ugly one. Um, and it, we have economic probably have all kinds of stuff going on in our society here. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, what do you, do you, are you do? Are you performing the analytics and are you doing analytics on the podcast that people are trending towards and are interested in hearing more about? Like, what is that? Mm. Yeah. From a broad perspective, it's really the same as it's been for the last decade. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's all the same categories are flourishing. You still have comedy uh, at the top and uh, education, health and wellness, spirituality. There's a few of the ones that are just always going to be there. Um, Politics is always a big one. Um, So, you know, it's, we haven't really seen like anything shift in terms of like genre or topic in the last couple of years. Um, but we have seen more people continue to start listening to podcasts, yeah. uh, which is, yeah. which is obviously it's going to just keep happening. It's just, it's a much better form of radio of terrestrial radio. So like in the next like two decades, radio will be a thing of the past and it'll be exclusively podcast moving forward. Incredible. And so what is, if you're, you're, we're talking about vision, we're talking about future, right? What, <clears throat> what's next for Travis Chapel? Like what, what, what do you see in terms, not only the growth of Guestio, but what are some other things that you aspire to do and you're, and, and you're going to be doing? Yeah. So our goal for Guestio is, is actually, is obviously like really big. Um, we're, we're, it's, it's technology driven. Um, it's kind of service right now, but it's technology driven because we think that's the scalable part of it. And we think, we think it could be a nine figure brand at some point with uh, the amount of money that creators are making with us and how much that is going to start spreading and our, our, uh, our revenue starting to grow, our user base is starting to grow. We raised 1.3 million in, in seed funding at the end of last year from people like David Meltzer and John Lee Dumas as an investor, partner, advisor. Um, Joel Marion just sold his company. Ross Paquette, founder of Maripost, is a nine-figure software company. Um, Space Station Investments, which has the largest YouTube marketing agency out there, they invest in the company. Matt Barnes, a former NBA player, invest in the company. So oh, like, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of people... A lot of people behind us. You caught the smoke with Matt, huh? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All the smoke. Yeah, dude. Um, So he's got a great show too. But my my point in saying that is like, we we have a lot of great strategic capital in our first kind of of our seed round. And so the goal at this this point is like, I I just, I believe that we can take this to institutional capital um, towards the end of the year after we make some more progress on, on user acquisition and overall growth as a company, now that we're actually launching our first ad campaigns and we feel good enough about the product to start bringing it out to a mass market. Um, so that's kind of the goal of Guestio, <clears throat> but in terms of like my, where I'm headed along with it is like Guestio is the main focus. Um, but I also have my personal podcasts, you know, I like my prediction for no matter what happens next is the people with the most attention will not lose. That's a hundred percent something that I just truly believe, yep. which is why, which is why I am such, why I am so, I'm so bullish on investing excess dollars into purchasing more attention now because cash is cash. Everybody's got cash on hand right now. Mm -hmm. And so like you can, you can waste that cash. You can spend it on dumb things. um, uh, Or you can spend it on something that'll help you secure your future, no matter what happens in the economy. Cause I I guarantee you, bro, next downturn of the economy, you know, who's not going to lose money, Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary V. Absolutely. You know who's not going to lose money? Grant Cardone. Yep. 
You know who's not going to lose money? Tony Robbins. Like the people with the biggest brands personally are never going to lose money in the downturn because attention, like money follows attention. And so if you don't have any attention currently, but you do have a lot of money currently, then I believe investing in attention is a great way to recession-proof and future-proof yourself and your business and your income, no matter what happens in the in the in the coming you know economy. So um, that that's why I'm so bullish on this stuff, and um, and th- and then you know that's why we also have the guest side of of Guestio that's available to increase your credibility, trust, and authority by interviewing some of the bis- the, the biggest people um, uh, in the business space on whatever show that you might have available as well. Is like whatever authority, credibility status, uh, uh, traffic attention you can purchase now, it's going to be pennies compared to what it'll bring you in the next decade. If you do it the right way, folks, we could just drop the mic right there. Just call quits right now for the whole night. And you just got the most value that you could possibly get. If you're looking at your future, folks, invest in attention. That's the, that's one of the dopest lines that I have heard on this show in the two years that I've been running this show, Travis, that is sick. Now, thank you. The reason people are paying attention to us is because we create a higher velocity on the money that's being invested into into the attention. That's a big, big. It's a big part of what we do. We do it for people like yourself. Do it for entrepreneurs. We do it for business owners, where they're getting multiple spins on their dollar and have the ability to reinvest back into uh, into that attention. Um, and uh, it's the it's the reason I see my future in a guy like you. Right, because you're going to constantly innovate. You're you're going to constantly invest in that attention. When you're when you're like when you're forecasting out the next six months, um, or you know, I, I don't know how long that you book out on um, on on the podcast, but who are who are the people that you're you're specifically paying attention to, and that you want that and 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 more so than that. Um, not only the people you're paying attention to, but the audience that you want to be hitting and you want to continue to expand upon, what does that look like? Yeah. The audience I want to keep expanding upon is, is more in the business owner entrepreneurship space. Uh, Cause I think that's like, frankly, that's just the, the audience that can afford to purchase the attention that I'm talking about. And that's essentially what we sell is attention. Uh, like on our back end concierge, we have people that are paying us six figures a year, um, to go get them booked on massive podcasts, YouTube channels, and go get guests booked for their show or their stage or their event or whatever. Um, and so like that audience, I think is the one that stand, like that audience is the one that has the most to lose over the next few years or could have the most to gain if they spend their money correctly or invest their money correctly. And so that's really the audience we're trying to, to be in front of, but from a standpoint of like, who are people I'm looking to model after Gary V is always a big one. Uh, but a few of people that are like really relevant right now that I think do a really killer job, uh, would be like Dave Portnoy, uh, with Barstool Sports. Uh, he's just a very, very smart attention grabber, um, for lack of a better phrase, just because we've been talking about attention, like the dude knows how to, how to wrestle attention. Um, and he built a half a billion dollar entertainment business off the back of that, of that skill. I think he's a really, really smart guy. Um, and then, uh, people like Bob Minnery, uh, you know, like he was just some like YouTube sports commentator that did funny things. And now he's been able to leverage that into like one of the top podcasts in the world. Um, and, uh, and it was able to secure a ton of attention that way. Uh, so there's people like that, that I'm looking at that. I'm, I'm just like very curious on, uh, how they think and, and, uh, what type of content they're putting out uh, and things like that. Um, but then, but then 
I always try to look at it from a, from a perspective of like, how do I really connect with the entrepreneurial audience and offer solutions and value to them so that they see how important this stuff is. That's incredible. We are Infinity X, folks. Stage and microphone with the human excellence that is Travis Chapel. Uh, that would be guestio.com, right? That would be, um, you can find him on Instagram. Uh, forgive me, Travis. I can't, it's at Travis Chapel, right? Correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Just at first and last name. Yep. C H A P P E L L, like Dave Chappelle, but without the E at the very end. Let's, let's switch over for a moment from uh, podcasting to social, right? Okay. Um, <clears throat> We are right now experiencing unprecedented growth through TikTok, yeah. like, like unprecedented growth. Like my, my partner, Rob Gill, um, who uh, I, I would love for you to meet as well, because I think you'd find him wildly interesting. He's a big personality, really fun, loving guy. And one of the best financial you know, minds that I have ever been across. I've ever, I've ever been around, but um, he, you know, he has done a series of, of videos over the last uh, six months that have gone wildly viral. Right. And the level of financial maturity that is, is coming through um, that specific vertical is really catching me off guard. You know, yeah. people yeah. are moving over and, and TikTok, it, TikTok is something that I, you know, I'd heard about was going to be the wild west, but I didn't think it was going to be a growth vertical like that. From a social standpoint, where do you concentrate and double down your efforts? Yeah. I mean, we're on, we're on everything. Um, TikTok is a really great place. Uh, you just have to, you just have to, uh, move them into somewhere else where you can have a conversation with them, I think. Uh, but TikTok, I mean, the, the, the potential for virality is unmatched, um, uh, across any other platform other than TikTok. like TikTok is just so ripe for that kind of stuff. Um, and it, like you can, <laughs> it's so easy to be controversial on TikTok. <laughs> I literally, <laughs> I put yeah. out a video the other day. I don't know. I got like 75,000 views, like not a crazy amount, but every once in a while I get one that pops off. Like, you know, your average videos will stay at like a certain level and then you get some to pop off. And this one popped off. It was, it was like, it was such green financial, like um, uh, gray financial advice that I gave. I was just like, Hey, stop spending money on stupid stuff. And uh, like, be more frugal, essentially, like be more disciplined with your money. If, okay. if your first inclination, anytime you get a sum of money, whether it's a stimulus or, you know, someone died in your family or it's your birthday and your first inclination is like, how do I go spend this? Then you need to rethink the way about the, you need to like rethink how you think about money or you're never going to have any of it. Mm -hmm. It was super vanilla though, like very <laughs> basic financial advice. Yep. But it was like 85% of the comments that were on it were all people just like trashing me about like that not the being haters. good advice. It was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is so vanilla, but like my, my like the demographic on that platform is like comparatively to other platforms, not as like, um, I'm careful. How I say this. I don't want to sound like a jerk, but, uh, like, like they're, they're just a younger, less experienced crowd, a demographic. And so when you can, that's why it's, there's so much potential for reality there. Cause you can say things like that, that are like seemingly pretty common knowledge, especially in like wealthy people circles. Um, and the broad, vast majority of TikTok users are like, this is dumb, but it just makes your video, you know, get viewed by more people. And then the people who do agree with you are going to stick around and follow you and, and wait for more of your content anyway. Yeah. We um, put out a, uh, we put out a video, not, um, uh, maybe a week and a half ago or something like that on uh, the difference between, uh, you know, rate of, you know, average return and actual return. And mm -hmm. 
you know, it's math. But the funny thing is, it's it, what we put out is not really, it's not debatable. It, it works. You should have seen the number of comments, but oh, the math is wrong. This is wrong. That's wrong. It's like, well, first of all, no, it's not, right? That's yeah. number one. But then, but then just to see the level of commentary, right? In Yeah, in- from people who like work at a pawn shop or like they're a cashier <laughs> at Walmart or something. Not to not to talk down on those people, but like it's just sure. interesting yeah. how many people have these bold perspectives when they're talking to a financial advisor who makes good money. It's just like where do you get this? Like you got some, you got some stones, man, to come in here guns a blazing when you're dead broke and you have no authority to speak into this topic at all. And it's super easy to sit behind the send button, right? Yeah. You know, as opposed to actually, okay, well, you know, if it's if if it's that easy, or if you have more sound advice, then how come you're not creating that stage and that yeah. mic for you to put out? For, I totally, I totally understand that, and you know, it's it's there's I don't. I've heard over the years, you know, any press is good press. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that or I don't agree with that, but um, you know, I will say, I I will say that it, um, it just continues to really, really astonish me um, at, you know, the virality to your point and, and the expansion that we're experiencing on TikTok. Now here's something I wanted to ask you as well, because it also is very curious to me is um, if you, if, if you go the polar opposite of the, trend of TikTok, in my opinion, the uh, the trajectory of Clubhouse is completely, completely different as a podcaster. Um, do you still participate in Clubhouse? Is that something that you pay any attention to that you ever got in? Like, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I did Clubhouse for about a week. And then, uh, yeah, I was like, this is not my this is not my thing. Like, eventually it got to the point, man, where I was like, even if this takes off, I, I just, I, I'm okay with not being well-known on this platform. Sorry. I I hated it. I just did not like it. It sucked time away from my day. Like it was, it was so time consuming. Uh, and then, and then when I really, what, what made it really, what made it click for me was I had a friend who was spending, like he had two or three different mobile devices that were logged into different rooms all the time. He was moderated here, moderated there. He was growing his audience like crazy, spend eight hours a day in the platform. Um, and, and he's post acquisition on a couple of his companies. So he didn't have to like, like his job is to increase his social awareness. So like, okay, cool. Like you're doing your thing. I get it. So we had like 72,000 followers or something like that. And then we do a podcast interview. He goes live with me on the podcast interview in clubhouse. And then he was stripping the audio and putting it on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, um, so I jump into his room with him. We're on an interview for like 45 minutes. The most that ever came into the room was like 14 people. So I was like, how does it make sense for me to spend eight hours a day building a platform to get up to 70,000 followers where when I start a room, I still have to have Grant Cardone join to get up to a thousand people in it. Right. What's the point of having 70,000 followers at that point? Why am I spending this much time in these rooms to begin with? Um, and so, I, yeah, what, like I, I was very much just like, I know because I gave up on it before a lot of other people did just because I just hated it. And I was like, I, I called it at that time. I was like, I just don't see how this does well. I was like, it might because I'm not that smart. It could end up, you know, do, doing really well. I just don't see how it's possible because I have no idea how anybody can spend this much time in this application unless they're already independent, independently wealthy, like a Grant Cardone or someone like that. And their job is purely just to gain attention or like, that's who I found to be on it. It was all the people who were already wealthy and it was all the people who were like coaches, even though they've never had a successful business. And they were just trying to like go get clients 
from the rooms because if you have a little green moderator button next to your name, you know, all of a sudden people think that you're smart. And so I think a lot of people got away with murder <laughs> almost like they, you know, and good for them. They, they, they came away with a lot of money and stuff, but I, I, I just like, dude, that platform was just soul sucking to me. And I, I came to the, I came to terms with the fact that I was like, look, if this is the next Instagram, I just, am not going to be on it. So so. Did, right? Yeah. 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 I, you know, we, I spent a little bit longer than you did on it, but um, you know, it just, it, it, to me, it was the exact same thing. I just, I, yeah. didn't, I, I, did, I didn't see, I saw myself as somebody who I, you could very easily get lost in that, you know, yeah, and, exactly. And, and it's, you know, from a, from a brand recognition perspective, it's, it just wasn't, it wasn't the vertical that, you know, yeah. It was just like, I got stuff to do, man. Like yeah. I'm, I'm running a business. Like how, like, how are you in here for like, like you log in at 9 a.m. and you're in there for 30 minutes and you come back in at 2 p.m. and the same people are in the same room. It's like, what are you doing? Like, how, what do you do on a daily basis? How do you have this much time? Like, do you not have anything else to accomplish today except for this? And if that's the case, why would I pay for you to coach me? <laughs> like, all you're gonna be, it's like, just spend eight hours a day in clubhouse. Like what? You don't, you don't actually have a business, do you? You're just like trying to make people think you do. And that's why, by the way, all of those people are making any money anymore. And that's why like nothing has happened with their influence. And that's why clubhouse has gone down is like, because all the people who are actually productive people couldn't spend that much time. Like even Gary V said that when somebody was asking about clubhouse, he was like, I love clubhouse. I think it's awesome. He was just like, I just, I, I, I just don't have the time. I can't, I can't do it. I, I, w- I really wish I could be in there all the time. I just can't do it. It's too much. It takes too much time. And I was like, even, even like the King of social media who preached like who, who preached responding to all of his tweets for the first three years of Twitter's existence to yeah. gain all this popularity. Like even that guy was like, uh, clubhouse is taking too much time. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> now, let me ask you uh, what, what social media outlet plant uh, platform it, it, do, do you see future enhancement to or, uh, or, or relevance? I mean, or is it something that we haven't even seen yet? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think, you know, I, I think it's going to be difficult for any other social media platform to come into the scene at this point. Um, uh, not to say it's impossible because TikTok did it. Um, you know, TikTok exploded when we thought that that was already kind of a done deal. And now TikTok took, uh, as of like October or November of last year, TikTok took over YouTube for the most watch hours of any social platform online, which is remarkable if you think about it because. TikTok was like, used to be like 30 second videos then it moved up to 60 seconds. Now I think you can do like five minute videos on there or 10 minute videos or something. Um, But YouTube is like, they have three, four hour videos on there and they got surpassed in watch time by these like 30 second TikToks, which is why you see YouTube innovating with YouTube shorts. I, Instagram has IG reels, Facebook has Facebook reels. Everybody's basically moving into this like short form content uh, type of a thing, which is why I think podcasting still has such a power over so many people uh, because it's now officially like officially official, even though I think it was before this happened, now that that did happen and YouTube is chasing shorts instead of longer form content, podcasting is the only platform that's built for long form content consumption. Like if you're continuing to listen to this episode right now, that's a perfect example of this. How many TikToks of mine would you have to see to spend this much time with me? Oh like, God. Like yeah, three seven hours. months worth. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, really. uh, like you'd have to listen to a ton or watch a ton of TikToks. And that's why I think, I think, I think podcasting, we're going to see kind of a regression back into the audio form because, because you can take advantage of it whenever and wherever. Um, I will say like one platform that's surprising us recently has been Facebook. Uh, of all places. Uh, we, we've been like, we've always posted on my Facebook page, but we never did anything with it because it never really got any traction. Even though I had, you know, a decent following, like four or 5,000 followers, it was just like, 
we get like two likes a post or something. It never made any sense to post my business page. Like my personal page always got more traction, but we would let Instagram post my personal page for us. Well, recently, like two weeks ago, a week ago, we started posting just like text uh, status updates essentially on my Facebook page instead of videos or photos or images, which is what we were really kind of heavily focused on for a while. And dude, that's been taken off. Like I have a post right now it was a quote that I posted like a week, week and a half ago. It has 25, 2,700 likes on it nice. and like almost 400 shares on it. Um, and it's literally just a text post on Facebook. And so we've been like, since that happened, we've been posting text posts every day and all of them are getting up over a hundred reactions and likes and a bunch of real comments and engagement and a bunch of organic shares and stuff like that. And so what we're doing now is like, we're just looking for, uh, the ones that are taking off in, an, uh, in, in a way that other ones aren't taking off. And we boost it with a little bit of spend, like 20, 30 bucks, um, on these status updates that are purely just text posts. Um, but they are, they get so much reach where it's like, oh man, we, we, we increased traffic to our Facebook page by 100% in the last 30 days, just by using text posts. Um, so the answer is like every platform can perform. It's your job to continue testing and tweaking constantly all the time to make sure that your posts are going to perform on those platforms. Like Instagram has been frustrating and annoying, but every once in a while we get something that pops off on Instagram. But then today we posted a video like, bro, I have like 45,000 followers on there. We posted a video today. It has five likes right now. Like, yeah. how is that possible? How is it? How did this get five likes? But then the video right before it has 390. Like, yeah. this doesn't make any sense, you know, but, you know, we'll, we'll look at that piece of content. We'll examine it across the other pieces of content that we did over a 30 day period. And we'll go, let's not post that anymore. Let's post more of these. You know what I mean? Like you just have to constantly be like catering to the platforms, unfortunately, which is why it's so important to be building out like podcast subscribers, email subscribers, text list subscribers, any list traffic or platform that you own is the best place to be spending your time and attention because you're not at the, at the, you're not at the mercy of some algorithm. Is email marketing very much alive or very much dead? Very much alive. Love so it. much alive because you own it. Mm -hmm. You own it, man. Like the, it's just, there, there's so many platforms, man, that is just like, it's scary when you see, when you see like a YouTuber get shut down when they have like 3 million subscribers and it's like, oh, they made a couple pieces of content that YouTube didn't like. And then they just pulled out the rug from underneath them. Mm -hmm. Like, well, that scares the shit, like the, the, the garbage out of me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't want that to happen, you know? And then that's like, that's again, the kind of the beauty of podcasting. So uh, Bob Minery, the guy, since I used him as an example earlier, um, he had Donald Trump on his podcast like a week ago. And they post all of their podcast interviews to YouTube. Mm -hmm. YouTube right pulled away. the video mm -hmm. from like, they didn't just demonetize it. They took the video off of the platform. Body like, wasn't even cold yet, right? <laughs> they didn't, they didn't say anything about like anything controversial. They didn't talk a ton about politics. They didn't say like, it, like there was no, there was no, it was literally just a regular interview, but because it was Donald Trump, YouTube pulled it from the platform completely and wouldn't allow them to monetize the video. It had 2 million views in 24 hours. And uh, YouTube, instead of paying them for the traffic, they decided it would be more prudent to remove the video. But guess where the interview still lives? The podcast. The Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Because the podcast is an RSS feed. It's a private feed of data. Like your server company, like Amazon Web Services, would have to pull server content from your media host to get rid of that shit. You know is, what I mean? Like it's not going anywhere. Is it possible for podcasts to find their way into the metaverse? Totally. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I, I would, I would think like, I've put a little bit of thought into it, probably not as much thought as other people have, but I always thought like, 
if you if you could throw on a pair of VR goggles and like sit in Joe Rogan's podcasting room while he interviews Elon Musk, I don't see why that wouldn't be a, be something that people would want to do. Interesting. For sure. Are, folks, we are Infinity X stage and microphone. This has been Travis Chapel just dropping dimes tonight. I mean, seriously, Travis, this has been some of the most interesting, unbelievable content. Invest in your relevancy, right? When it wasn't investing, it was invest in your attention. Yeah. In your intention. Yeah. Folks, invest in your attention. That is, if if you if folks, if you take no other quote for the remainder of 2022, listen to that quote. Because if you're not investing in your attention, you will be irrelevant. But you're 100 percent right. Tony Robbins will will continue to have attention. Grant will still sell $10,000 event tickets when the economy's down 30%. A thousand percent. Open economy. Yep, absolutely. Chris Crone, exact same thing, you know? And folks, Travis Chappell is somebody that is investing in his intention. And I, I can't highly suggest enough that you invest and pay attention to what Travis is up to. The website is uh, guestio.com promotion of podcasts, um, being uh, equitable to the host as well, which I think is just absolutely, it's so, it's so sick, bro. And I, I, I really do. I want to continue the conversation with you post uh, production here because, um, uh, you know, I just I, I want to peel the onion back. There's so much more I want to investigate with you around Infinity X and some of the things we're up to. And you're just a cool dude, man. I've just really I mean, this hour has flown by. I've really, really enjoyed it. But what parting shots would you leave for our good folks that have stayed with us tonight? Yeah, for, I mean, first off, if you stuck with us the whole time and I really appreciate you guys, I know that there's a plethora of other things that you could be doing um, at this time of night. So I appreciate you sticking with us. Um, if you want to learn more about me or, or follow me anywhere, uh, just go to travischapel.com. That's C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L, uh, travischapel.com. If you go over there, basically all my social links are there. Everything that I do is there. Guestio is there. Um, so that's kind of the hub. And then you can move to whatever part you want to connect with me further on. Um, if you want to get booked on podcasts, uh, guestio.com, it's 97 bucks a month. You can send 50 pitches a month to different platforms and shows that are on there, or you can pay them directly to just bring you on their show. Um, and then if you have a budget and you want uh, somebody to do all that work for you, uh, so you don't have to worry about it, then my concierge team can do that for you. Um, and there's a, there's an application over at travishapple.com slash 10 K uh, um, and so we, we tend to work with kind of higher net worth people on the, on those backend services. So if you fit in any of those buckets, you know, go to the appropriate place and I'll be happy to, to connect with you over there. Amazing. Travis, you have been a rock star tonight. Seriously. I cannot wait to watch the replay replay on weareinfinityx.com, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, all over the place. And I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be even further after I talk to you, Travis, right? <laughs> um, but folks, again, thank you so much for rocking with us tonight. We always uh, look to bring value. Tonight was absolutely no exception. And um, until next week, you know, we are Infinity X. Uh, Travis, thank you so very much for spending time with us this, uh, us this evening, brother. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. You're a rock star, bro. Appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Infinity X. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube by searching We Are Infinity X. Until next time.